listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 521. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion and, I guess, temporarily end it of the Fox Sci-Fi series Fringe. And I think we both probably got to the end and thought, all right, we're looking forward to doing Foundation, but yeah. <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, like, uh, I mean, not quite like, but I mean, you know, as back in the day when, you know, the season ended, you'd have to wait a couple months for the new season to start. So, uh, you know, you have this brief interlude, and I, I, I think we'd be kidding ourselves to trying to say that we're not going to do season three of French after Foundation. Am I? Oh, yeah, is yeah. that accurate? Yes, I know. I'm just throwing, we hadn't really talked about this. I know I'm throwing it out there, but I mean, like, that's uh, my personal preference. I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm looking at my cheat sheet with uh, the character and the actor that plays that character for different shows, and you know, I've got SG One and Beforeigners, The Nevers when we did that, and I'm thinking like, well, okay, someday, I think we both agree. All right, season two of SG One would be good. Today's not that day. Today's not that day. <laughs> and yeah, not, not with uh, three ep- uh, three se- uh, seasons of Fringe still to yeah. uh, I mean, the good about. thing about doing like a Fringe or an SG-1 is then you don't have to make any decisions about what to do next for a long time, you know? Exactly. So, uh, and, and I haven't looked at what's on the horizon. Uh, obviously, Ragnarok is coming back. So, we, oh, yeah. again- yeah, so but that that's might. only six episodes. Right. So yeah, right. we'll we'll talk about it off air, not in front of the children. <laughs> so uh, anyway, just a reminder: we typically record on Monday. Feedback needs to be in Sunday, six p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you're submitting audio feedback, we have a strict six-minute limit. All right, what I am watching, as I told you before we went on the air, I finished Silo and I finished the witcher and thoroughly enjoyed both uh that's all i'm going to say you know to uh, the listeners about that now you and i'll talk about you know something regardless but uh, we get to the end of the witcher which as i've said my wife absolutely loved uh and she said you know what i want to watch now and i'm thinking like okay you know fringe because you've seen me watching fringe i'm like yeah i certainly be up for that nope not fringe the barbie movie (laughs) (laughs) oh she's going you're going to go and see a movie at the theater that's the reality i now have staring me in the face that was the earth shifting i thought that was just a regular earthquake yes (laughs) and i went online because dude uh, the last movie i saw in the theater and i'm not lying it's got to be the second X-Files movie, which was, I mean, it, honestly, it's got to be 20 years since I've been in a movie theater. Uh, you know, my wife has been much more recently. She saw the Downton Abbey movie with her mother. But anyway, I go online. It's playing in Westminster. That'd be 2008, Dave. So wow. not quite 20 years. All right. So my question to you, because I didn't know. Uh-huh. Can I still walk up to the box office and buy a ticket, or do I have to do it online? Well, you can, but just no one really does it anymore. Okay. Um, here's my see. I don't. I don't. I never go to the the movie theater in Westminster. Um, the one we have out here in Owings Mills, there's one that has like the big 
nice like easy chairs where the legs go up and you can uh you can turn the heat on underneath it if you want they're like after sitting and watching movie in those it's hard for me to go back to like the normal movie seats where you're crammed in next to two people right next to you so um so that my advice would be to find a theater that has and also in those theaters with the comfy seats there's very few fewer much less fewer people as well which is actually the thing i think i like about because the more people you have in there the more someone's going to be like on their phone or have like a little laser pointer or something stupid that's going to just completely annoy me the whole movie but if you go and pay a little bit more for the nice comfy seats then uh uh you know the the chances of someone being a complete uh tool rag in there are are, are lessened considerably okay. Well, I went on and, you know, I just arbitrarily picked like the 445 showing and it looks like, okay, if I, as you know, you can pick your own seats yep. and I mean, there can't be more than 75 seats in, you know, the, the theater they happen to be showing it at 445. So I don't know what that tells me. I suppose I could call them. I don't know if they actually answer the phone and say, Hey. My buddy said I should ask for the comfy seats. What's what's the deal here? Yeah, there you uh, go. Anyway, I so I, I feel like they don't have them at the Westminster Theater, but they might. Okay. But, but you can always uh, go out to Owings Mills, dude. It's probably just about as far, just a little bit further probably, if you go uh, to the Owings Mills Theater than to Westminster. Dude, I'm already willing to drive <laughs> seven minutes to the Westminster Theater. Now what, you're asking me to drive 20? Ugh. Maybe all fifteen. Right. Well, but, all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I did pull out my pink T-shirt, so I'm I'm good to go. Nice. All well, right, anyway. my my, uh, my wife and daughters went and saw it, and they absolutely loved it. So, and I hear a lot of people actually like saying it's actually a good movie. Well, so. you know what? I got to be honest. I, I, I'd be more inclined to going to see Barbie than I am Oppenheimer. To be quite honest, Whoa. I know. I, I you know I I. I don't know why that is. I mean, I have seen some stories uh, on MSNBC about things that the movie doesn't address. And I guess the one in particular, and I get why they probably don't address it, is that so many people, and they're known as the downwinders, were downwind of you know, the radiation uh, clouds okay. and then developed all of these right, right. Um, illnesses. And of course the overwhelming majority of them are people of color. So anyway, yeah. now that's not why I don't want to see it. It's almost like, I don't know. It's almost like, God, I, it's supposed to be really, really been, good. I know. I know. And like I like everyone I know who, who's when saw it says it's freaking incredible. Yeah. Like so uh, a number of people whose opinions I value said, best movie they've ever seen or could wow yeah wow that's what i'm saying like i wasn't expecting that from oppenheimer either man you know like Mm -hmm. christopher nolan like i thought he did like bendy twisty movies this seems like a straight up biopic you know but yeah well see that's one that i'm perfectly comfortable waiting till it's on a streaming service that i have uh barbie no i dude i need to see that now (laughs) so uh anyway what are you watching well, the first thing I'm watching, Dave, are the freaking Baltimore Orioles, my friend. Wow. Ah, uh, 
No kidding. This is, I mean, you know, I'm. I'm you mean our first place? Our first Baltimore place, Orioles. Baltimore Orioles. Uh, victor of the season series against the Yankees now. Crushers of the Yankees last night, by the way. 9-3 drubbing that they handed them, which was freaking awesome to watch. On a nationally televised game. Yeah, yeah, right? Oh, my God. Just, they're just so much fun to watch. For a long time, okay, I know I'm sorry out there for those of you. If you're, if you're not sports fans, I apologize slightly, but I, I was thinking about things I love more than the Orioles. And obviously, like my parents, my sisters, my wife, my children, maybe my dog, but you know, and I, you know, maybe like Dave, like you and my close friends. But you know, there's, that's probably it. And then I go to orders. Like this is something is actually a great scene from uh, the the original Fever pitch movie with uh, not the Jimmy Fallon one, the Colin Firth one, the British version. He's basically like, have you ever been in love with something since you were like five years old? Because that's what he is. For soccer, that's his relationship. And for me, that's like the Orioles. I've, they've been something that I've been a huge fan of this team since I was, before I can really remember, um, have suffered recently through long droughts of misery. Uh, and now for them to be you know, crushing it, it's just awesome. Now, am I saying this with bated breath? Am I saying this with my fingers crossed, knocking on wood, expecting the worst to happen tomorrow? Absolutely. But, you know, right now, for what it is, it's, it's, just, it's just great. And they're just like a fun team to watch. And they're young, and they're exciting. They play hard. And, you know, it's, it's great. If you're not a baseball right. fan, start watching the Orioles, and you, you might become one. Right. And, and some of you out there are probably thinking, whoa, what about the Ravens? To be fair, yes, the Ravens, I'm sure, are you know part of your love affair, but they didn't come to Baltimore until 1996. Yeah. We were both grown ass adults at that yeah. point. I was mostly a grown ass adult at that point. <laughs> I was 26, well, so I was, I was, yeah. I was, I was almost fully cooked. <laughs> I was, yes, I was yes, probably still need a couple more minutes in the microwave. There, but. your executive functions were just about by and uh, large. Yeah, but that, yes. you're right. But that, absolutely, I, I am a huge fan of the Ravens. Um, but it's not like the Orioles. But like you said, five years old, you have these memories as from a, as, a as, as young kid. as I can remember. Yep, I've worn an Orioles hat, written, wrote Brooks Robinson's number on the back of my glove. You know, it's something that goes beyond just being a sports fan. You know, it's something that's like almost woven into my DNA. You know, so that's what like people who are like from Baltimore, but like other teams, like I just I I don't understand it. You know, I just, and I'm going to start us off with a sports reference once once we get to Fringe that you'll okay. see in a second. So anyway, I don't want to belabor this, but it is yeah. What else you It's very exciting. <laughs> um, you know, The Witcher. I'm I'm working on. I actually decided to go back and now rewatch season not all of season one, but just the first five episodes of season three, um, leading up to watching the last three. So I'll probably be done those in a couple of days, but, uh, you know, it's always good time rewatching the Witcher. I, I never have a problem with that. You know, sometimes I think, ah, do I really want to do that? And I start watching I'm like, yeah, I do. I totally do. You know? Yep. It's great. Love it. Um, good omens season one. I finished that. I think season two might be out now or I think it is. Yeah. So, uh, I'll be hitting that soon. Uh, it was so, I, you know, I, I loved it. And my oldest son just kind of walked by while I was watching it and, 
you know, he's a big Doctor Who fan, so he knows David Tennant. And he's like, what was that with David Tennant? I'm like, good omens. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, the book is really good, too. And so now he's actually reading the book. Um, he'll probably, he's been reading it, like, nonstop for the last couple of days. So he'll probably be done pretty soon. But, um, yeah, that was cool. And I, I did finish Secret Invasion. Um, I know there was some questions on, uh, on Facebook about that as far as what I would think. And I think my opinion at the end of it is pretty much the same as at the beginning that it was, it was decent. I don't love it. I don't think I'll ever go back and watch it again, but it was, it was solid. And the acting was great. Olivia Coleman was in it. Uh, You know, Samuel L. Jackson, obviously Don Cheadle. Uh, There was some really great acting in it that, but Unfortunately, the the story and Olivia Coleman, to my mind, stole the show. Oh, Emma Clark was in it too, but I think Olivia Coleman stole. It. She was the best part of it, um, but she just wasn't in that much. Uh, so you know, I give it a solid meh uh, out of the the MCU series that they've run so far. It's probably still my least favorite of of the MCU series that. Uh, did so far, but uh, but Samuel L. Jackson was awesome, and he's, he's you know he's just such a great actor, and uh, but just some of the lines were ridiculous, the 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 plot and the ending. Uh, don't get me started on the ending. So uh, yeah, that's my take on my hot take on uh, Secret Invasion. There. Okay, well that that's fair enough. So all right, well let's get to Fringe and episode twenty two of season two, titled "Over There, Part two. Written by J.H. Wyman, Jeff Pinkner, Akiva Goldsman, directed by Akiva Goldsman, aired May 13th, 2010. So same writer, same director, just released a, a week later. So to bring out the sports metaphor, because we never do that, shippers win. Shippers win. Shippers do oh, win shippers mostly. Lose. Or do they? Shippers win and shippers lose. I mean... It is a draw, I believe, with the shippers. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've got Folivia. Now, I think we talked last week about the moniker of Folivia, whether that was generated, as you said, in, in the fan community or the series. And, and to this point, nobody's referred to her as Folivia Walternate, of course, has has been a thing, and and that's even explained in in this episode. But, you know, and I forget whether it's Alan or Fred that points it out in the feedback, but this is an episode that is just so heavily dependent on subtle facial gestures, reactions to things, you know, whether it's it's, uh, Folivia looking at the security footage and seeing prime olivia and walter you know sneaking out of the hospital and she's thinking like what the the hell (laughs) (laughs) and you know just so many little instances like that um you you, peter calling walter knit mr secretary we get why he doesn't call him dad Uh, of course even though walter knit refers to him as son and I guess on the one hand, you understand that, of course, once we get to the end and we realize Walter and its true motives, as as does Peter, then it, it, it you know, seems a little. Yeah, it's just got to think, is there some universe where my dad is not a complete douche? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, that's what that that 
And that's, I, I, I don't mean, I, that's not fair of me to, to say Walter's a douche, but though I, I do say he is a fictional character, so it's not like he can be insulted by that. Well, and, and that's that, that scene at the very end, not the very end, but, but, you know, the team is back in Walter's lab and Astrid has been baking pies and muffins and Peter's eating his third piece of whatever kind of pie it was. And and you know he's probably feeling borderline sick uh, because I, I you get the sense that it's really a rich pie, but he's doing it for Astrid. Peter asks Astrid to give him a ride, uh, to give Walter a ride because he's going to walk, and we're wondering, okay, they haven't addressed you know the elephant in the room yet, and Peter says, "I'm trying to see it your way, but I can't." And we're, we're, we're kind of crushed. And, and if we're kind of crushed at that point, how must Walter feel? But then Peter, I mean, but you did cross universes twice to save my life. And that's got to count for something. And he's got that, I don't want to call it a smile. It's like he wants to smile, but he realized, you know, it's just like, I, I just can't quite right. give the smile I want to. But it's enough for Walter. And Walter's like, how could he hope for any more at this point? Yeah, no, that's uh, it's definitely uh, you know Peter's willing to 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 meet him halfway. I guess is the cliche that's in my head right now. But you know, it's just like you know, basically, he's he's his heart has not been hardened. Yes, as Walter's fear was in Brown Betty, right? That right, uh, and everything. So you know, the, so there is a possibility of them to reconcile there yeah now i mean how much do you think it has to do with his realization that his biological father merely brought him back not to save their world but to destroy the other right and probably destroy peter in the process yeah right and and i'm sorry you know i i I think this political analogy is kind of relevant i mean you again you look at in the United States, Donald Trump, he's not for anything. He just wants to destroy everybody that he sees as his enemy. Well, he's for himself. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. But, <laughs> it's but, self-interest and right. everything else but, is secondary, including the, the welfare right. of the nation. So. Right. So, you know, is it that recognition on Peter's end that, you know, Walter's got plenty of flaws, you know, but I know he loves me. And while it's going to take me some time, it's probably going to be a long time before he calls him dad. And, and that's fine. I think Walter will take that. Call me Walter. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, we've talked about who's responsible for all of this. And we, you know, we talked last week about, well, who's the bad guy in all of this? Again, unless I'm missing something, it was Walter's first foray over to the alternate universe that really, you know, set all of this in motion, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, you know, creating soft spots in places where he didn't cross over. Now, I I, I guess my question isn't the fact that William Bell has been traveling back and forth. Does that have anything to do with the rapidly escalating 
you know, stuff that's happening in the other universe. Well, if it, if it does, then William needs to check his attitude with Walter a little bit. Well, yeah. You know, and but, of course, but, those are some great scenes too. Yeah. But they, uh, I mean, the show clearly, you know, indicates that this is, you know, Walter's responsibility for sure. It doesn't even address, you know, and like you said, like William Bell is trying to dodge any responsibilities. So, um, so I don't know. They, they, you know it's, it's just something that the, the show, they, they leave it unaddressed. So it is a good question. Right. Because we know that Walternet was trying to figure out, well, see, that's what it, you know, Bell tells Walter that Walternet was working on a way to get to the other side. We never saw that. All we saw was Walternet working on a cure right. for Peter. So again, I think you mentioned it last week or or the week before that Walternet, you know, looking at everything he knows, which is that a guy that looks exactly like me and talks like me and all that took Peter and, you know, now everybody's gone. So, you know, that, that, well, there must be an alternate universe. And then of course, once the soft spots started opening up and they, you know, they had their own set of problems. Right. Well, the whole Um, time, again, sports metaphor, they have to play defense, right? Like they weren't able to develop that though. I obviously they did. And again, like talking about, crossing over right because the 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 shapeshifters have been crossing over newton has you know so there's plenty of people from the other side have crossed over so you know did they find a way to do that that doesn't you know cause the disruptions that walter has right and and i would think the answer is probably no but we don't know that but i guess more to the point why aren't you coming over and trying to work together to prevent the destruction of likely both universes. Yeah. You, I- instead, it's this coming war, and that that alternate seems bent on you hurt my world, I'm going to destroy yours. Yeah, I, I mean, and, okay. Yeah. To to be fair, I mean, like, I, I don't necessarily 100 percent blame him for that type of attitude. You know, like. Their world is a mess, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like the the our the prime world, or as we call it, whatever. You know, I mean, things are a little hanky in there, right? There's there's some strange stuff going on, but there's not really existential stuff happening. But there's existential stuff has been happening for over because, twenty years, right? right Long right. time, right? Right. So much so that their society is a. While, you know, it still appears like in America with a secretary of defense and a president, we see pictures of Obama and Kennedy and everything, who looks like Kennedy lived to a ripe old age in that world, which is nice. Right. Um, we knew that from that time right. Olivia met with Ben. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, but, you know, th- this is a very militant society, a very, um, you know, I guess nowadays for us to talk about a um, – society that you're always being watched uh you know again we're used to that nowadays 2009 maybe not quite as much you know so but still like a a much different world than ours you know a one that uh the people there you know we see the agents and their kind of cavalier attitude towards death uh maybe a byproduct of the fact that they are 
literally dealing with death on a daily basis, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it was Churchill that said those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. What country historically started a war and didn't regret starting it? I, I guess what I'm getting at is there, there's no good reason to start a war when you haven't explored the option of working together. Right. And you should always you know, try like you said, diplomacy first. Right. right. So uh, now the other thing we've talked about is William Bell. And on this side or the alternate side, we learned that he was killed in a car accident as a young man and, and never started Massive Dynamic, which then begs the question when Olivia meets with Bell on the other side, well, what is that? Clearly, he's an important person right. when they're when he and Olivia are going to the hospitals looking for Walter and you know, you're not bleeding, get to the back of the line. He just flashes his card and we don't know what's on it. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Yeah. It says so, adjust your attitude right now. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and clearly he does have a relationship with Walter in it. Yes. Okay. Well, he says that he has, had to, you know, like Walter says, you know, these devices that the people from the other side are using, it has your fingerprints all over it. And he admits it. He's like, yeah, you know, I had to make myself useful so I could be in a position near Walter net, right? Right. So clearly he's got some sort of a uh, weapon uh, manufacturing business. I mean, whether they manufacture other things is likely so it's you know fine it's not called massive dynamic but we get the sense it's probably something similar for sure but then that line as walter and 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 again you you mentioned a few minutes ago this interplay between walter and bell who haven't seen each other in i guess over 20 years or or at least around you know we know walter was in st Clair's for 17 and they start with you look older yeah so do you and, and and it gets to the point where you know, just that working together brings out the best in, in both of these men. And you could argue it also brings out the worst, but mm. at least in this episode, we'd have to say it's the best. But, but that line that Bell says about Olivia being their greatest achievement. And, you know, on the one hand, y- y- you think, well, wait a minute, you took... I don't know, a six-year-old, a seven, however old she was when you took her, and you basically created, I mean, I don't want to say they created a super soldier from Olivia and the other Cortexafan kids, but, you know, on the one hand, she is an achievement. There, there's no question, but we've talked about this before. These were children who were essentially defenseless and whether you you did this to save the universe. All right, fine. But still. Yeah, there is definitely a major moral gray area um, here. And, you know, like, yeah. Okay. We get the one hand. Yes. Olivia is well suited to defend the world, but, on the other hand, you traumatize the little girl. So we, we've been talking about who's the bad guy. Well, obviously, Walter put all of this in motion you know, 20 years ago or whatever. But at least his motives were 
I think it's fair to say his motives were pure. You could argue, well, he didn't think about the big picture, and that would be true. But but he did this, you know, you know, initially to save another child. And yes, as we said, you know, weeks back, he maybe could have handled it differently, but he didn't. Walternet, on the other hand, is now willing to use his own flesh and blood. It would seem to get revenge. I mean, is that overstating it? Well, I I wouldn't say revenge so much as like we said before. I mean, he to him this sure. is a war, right? And they're they're trying to win the war. Um, you know, we talked about Oppenheimer before, and you know, like he's he's going with the nuclear yep. option. Um, but to him, it's like I said, it's either my world or the other world and they started as you said in his mind so now you know the one scene that you know is very brief and i talked at the beginning about you know these little mini exchanges and looks and glances uh, when folivia is in walternet's office he asks her if she'll do him a favor we don't get to know what that ask is and at the time, I'm thinking. I think we know. Well, by the right. End. But my first reaction was he's asking her to just get close to Peter, and by close, I mean close. Uh, close. So, <laughs> at the end, though, I guess we could argue. Well, no, things changed. Was this the plan all along, or did this plan evolve? on the fly because how could they know that bell was going to have the 77s and the you know whatever kind of grenades he has uh, so i don't know I, I, I feel like they i feel like this that was their okay. plan you know because she went in and of course it could have been like you know find a way to take out olivia replace her and cross over you know like it could have been as simple as that. Like just you know, you know be creative. But but at that time, or you know, it could have been literally like everything that shook out m- went the way that Walton it meant for it to happen. Um, didn't gag her. I'm not sure what the deal with that was, but uh, right. Um, it didn't do a very good job restraining her, but. Okay. I I know she was in a hurry. So uh, oh okay. So 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 that makes sense. So you're but it's just the kind of things that happens all the time in TV. Like you know, someone gets bonked on the head and they're just like knocked out, but they're knocked out. In this case, it must have been at least an hour, right. if not longer. It doesn't seem like that is uh and, and you would think she'd need a stitch or two after getting hit with that brass whatever it was or yeah but uh now the other thing that we learn which is yeah it's not really important it doesn't seem and and now that we know peter's back in the prime world it probably doesn't matter but that peter's kidnapping was big news you mean like the Lindbergh baby who <laughs> so and and, and right. that's not surprising and and and, and again I, the look on peter's face I mean, it's almost like, all oh, right, that's kind of cool. <laughs> and I forget who says that. Yeah, it's just the, the funny, the, yeah, the, like, so I'm like yeah. the Lindbergh baby? The what? Uh, and, <laughs> like, well, it's so funny, like, they, 
like they don't even it seems like they don't even have like a Charles Lindbergh period, right? Like at well, least they would the say Charles Lindbergh equivalent, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, now I guess in, in the Lindbergh case they ended up finding his child dead, if I recall correctly. Yes. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is like before his child, Charles Lindbergh was super right. famous for flying sure. across the Atlantic. So like if someone like if I didn't like if if there was no oh, such thing you. as Charles Lindbergh's child being like kidnapped, if someone said to me the Lindbergh baby, I'd be like you mean like Charles Lindbergh? Yeah. Like I would know like Lindbergh, like there's only one sure. Lindbergh, right? Like, um, so like, it seems like they don't even, like, she doesn't say that. She just says the what. So I guess they don't even have like, like Lindbergh never was famous, was never a thing. There's probably just some, uh, podunk aviator in the Midwest his whole yeah. life. So for, yeah. you know, for all we know, uh, oh gosh, why can't I think of the, the female aviator that went missing, uh, Amelia Earhart, Amelia Earhart. You know, she might be alive <laughs> in yeah. their case and and did circumnavigate the globe. But uh, all right, all of that aside, that opening scene where Peter's riding over the city and at first I'm thinking he's in a helicopter, but he's probably in an airship, I guess. We see there's sort of there's an autopilot, so I don't know if he's up there alone, which okay hopefully it's not yeah, got the I'm not sure helicopters well, have an autopilot. Hopefully it's not uh, a Tesla autopilot, but Anyway, right. <laughs> but he gets that brief history lesson, which from a narrative perspective is obviously for us as maybe even more so than it's for him. But we learn about the quarantine amber and how it encases just these huge areas, including Madison Square Garden. Uh, and- right. Not to not to like belittle what anyone went through in COVID. But the quarantine over there is much worse. Right. And, you know, we do have that experience with the Amber back from early in season one. I forget what episode it's in. Um, Not the first one, because that was with the people that, you know, melted on the plane. Um, But but we saw on the other blues, a transit bus where where the people were encased in Amber. But pretty much that's that's it. So we don't really, you know, it's part of the pattern, but. How does that fit in with uh, alternate and, and his universe? We don't really know, but we get, we see that that initial confrontation between Peter and alternate, and he doesn't seem to be all that thrilled to be in his father's office. He even addresses him as Mister Secretary, which I guess to be fair, what he's not going to call him Dad. He's not going to call him Walter. He probably <laughs> well, you know, it's like the, the same thing he did with Walter in you know up until a couple episodes ago when he, you know, by calling him Walter, mm-hmm. like he was able to distance himself oh, from okay, him, you know, and everything. So like while he is curious about his actual biological father, he still keeps that barrier up, right? Yeah, he sure. Calls him Mister Secretary and not not dad like dad is reserved for like it was a big deal when he finally said dad to walter you right know? that was a big admission an emotional admission for peter he's definitely not there he's he's not ready to to let someone else back in just right and, and peter certainly experienced enough not only in, in his time with the fringe team but just in his life in general that that he you know he he's gathering intel at this point which is of course the you know wise thing to do 
But then we see uh, Olivia looking for Walter. She finds him in the bed and he's like, all right, I forget what he says, but he's basically trying to quiz her to find out, you know, if she's really Olivia. Walter, I don't have time for this. Oh, it is you. <laughs> and and they get out of there. But my, yeah. qu- my question for you is, we see Olivia looking at the surveillance footage and she sees herself. Why doesn't she tell Charlie immediately what she's seen? I mean, she hasn't been, you know, told to you know, keep anything you see to yourself. Cause at this point, you know, they're just kind of in reactionary mode and yeah, that's a good question. So, I would, I, you know, I never really thought about that. I guess maybe I would just think she's just, you know, processing still. Okay. Know? And, and you know, that, and that's fair enough. But then when, when, you know, Peter's still in his, uh, in Walter Nitt's office and you know, the, uh, she's not a secretary. She's wearing a military uniform. I believe she comes in and says that Agent Dunham is here, and Peter's like, "Huh, Agent Dunham?" <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, like, at first, uh, Walter that is like, he's about to say, "Send her away," and then Peter's like, "Olivia," and then also I was like, "Oh, you know, like also like you just see his evil plan uh, being devised right there on the spot." Yeah, and then and, and of course this comes on the heels of of Peter telling Walter that that that's a lot of blame to place on just one man. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, to be fair, uh, none of us yet, well, Walter and it has, but you know, none of us yet have seen the desolation that is, is such a part of their world. And again, we don't know how far it extends. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that we don't really know what's going on in the rest of the world. You know, when we had the Robert, uh, Robert David Jones in in German prison. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, but Peter's right. Cause especially when you think about if we really want to ascribe blame, like it was September, just his curiosity had caught, made all this happen, right? Right. Like sure. he had no altruistic or good reason to be there when Walter discovered the cure to Peter's illness. But because he was there, because he distracted him, that set the whole thing in motion. Right. That's a good point. So Peter's yeah. absolutely right. I mean, while Walter, and we know a lot of what Walter did was out of pride and everything, but still, it is a lot. Of blame to ascribe to one guy. Yeah, and that's true. And the and the I guess the irony is, he doesn't understand how right he really is with that comment. You know, on the one hand, he he may simply be defending the man who raised him after eight years old, and you know, despite the all the baggage that comes with it. But now, Walter, after he asks Peter to leave so he can talk to Folivia. He acknowledges that, you know, there is another universe. We have doubles. Don't be deceived. They're monsters. They'll do anything, say anything. Um, I think we're all thinking like, wow, <laughs> you're talking about yeah. these people that we've, we've formed this connection with. Yeah, we've been hanging with them for two seasons now, lady. Relax. Right. They're not monsters. So uh No, but it's it's the fear of the other though. Sure, right? absolutely. Like, right. When your your enemy is faceless and nameless. It's very easy to say they are horrible. Right. They're inhuman. Right. Right. And therefore they do not deserve to be treated as human beings. And and that's the danger of 
treating human beings as others. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we, we've talked so much about uh, shipping. And, and I think the great thing is that it, it's such a small part of the story and, and the narrative. And even though Folivia, when, you know, in a second, we'll, we'll talk about when the two of them meet. Uh, and Folivia, and she's not wrong. She's like, oh, this is about something else. And, and we know what she means. I mean, even though she, she said, are you two a couple? And Olivia doesn't answer. But Folivia's like, ah. Oh. And, and and to a point, you know, I, I think Olivia, that does motivate her actions, but really only to a point. So, you know, it's probably not even fair to, to you know, say that because I think, you know, if she was forced to decide, well, I don't know. I, I feel like Olivia would make the decision that would benefit the most people as opposed to just saving Peter. Uh, you know, I guess you could argue, unlike the decision Walter made, you know, initially to cross over. But, uh, right. Well, but, you know, but Gary, Peter can do the math, right? Like, you know, this guy, Walter, wants to destroy. And the other Walter does not, right? Yeah. Like, so, so if nothing else, I, I get like the basic difference in philosophies of these two guys, right? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, and, and Folivia takes Peter to his new digs and asks what it's like on the other side, and and I'm thinking because I go back to that that you know that that ask that Walter Nitt has of her that we don't really hear and i'm thinking like oh is she gonna like come on to him to try to you know establish this connection to get him to do whatever walter needs and 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 you know that's not really what happens it i love the fact that she asks that question how could she not how could how could a an intelligent person not want to know my god i just found out there's another universe this dude has been over there doesn't matter that he's from here and you know he he answers her and of course you notice the comic covers on the wall right uh you know i i did notice but i didn't see what they were specifically red lantern and green arrow i'm sorry red lantern and red oh, arrow oh nice okay yeah um but but then she's just like well, what's she like and and peter says she's always trying to make up for something and then he's like, you know what? Maybe she's nothing like you after all. And and again, he's just met her. But the the way Folivia physically carries herself, it's just like this really kind of right. tough guy manner that our Olivia, Olivia Prime, in a fight, she can hold her own. And, and of course, she clearly does. And, and, you know, fight scenes with one actor are always difficult. And we've I can't remember where we've had them in the past but i know we have well um uh, fred mentions in um orphan black oh, okay right so it happened quite often i believe right so um y- you know they certainly ex- but i think they did just such a like i mean like i'm looking for this stunt double there's a couple of places to say well okay that that was that's that obviously is definitely a stunt double oh, of course but the, the 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 direction and the cinematography is so good, like, and the camera work is so good. Like, I know I'm looking for it, and I wish I weren't because I could have just just sat back 
and just enjoy it. I know the first time I didn't, I didn't even think about the camera work. I just said, this is a pretty good fight scene. Um, but they do, uh, you know, use every trick in the book, you know, quick cuts. Uh, you see the one person's face, the other one, you see the back of their head. So, I mean, it was just, it was really, really yeah. good. Like how they did. It was masterful. Yeah, absolutely. I liked it a lot. I don't know if you want to call it naivety when Olivia asks Folivia to help her. Peter's in danger. I got to get him. And I guess on the one hand, Olivia has no idea of, you know, the, the attitude of Walternate and fringe division over here. Right. And, and the fact that that's kind of a ridiculous request it was super, but we know Folivia a lot better exactly. than she does. Exactly. So, like from her perspective, probably Folivia, she's, well, she's just like right. me. She wants to help people. So, certainly when I play it that way, you got to help Peter. She's definitely going to be on board. But sorry, Liv, this lady is not like right. you. And, you know, we learned the, the, the more minor details that Olivia's mother is alive in this universe, but her sister died in childbirth. Uh, we don't learn whether or not Folivia has a niece. So we don't. No, she doesn't because, you know, like when, well, I mean, right. We, we don't have hundred percent confirmation, but when she says I have a niece and uh, what'd she say? Oh, and, and well, Folivia says you have a niece. So clearly by asking oh, that, good point. she does right, not. Right. So, right? So, so. And then, you know, that she says, Ella, she's 11. And for Olivia says, Ella. So you, we see that that touches yes. her, right? Like, obviously, I think uh, Fred and Alan, maybe both Fred and Alan mentioned it, like how how different these two are and how much different, how much their differences can be put on their 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 lives, right? The one lost her mother, the other didn't. Right, uh, the one lesser mother lost her sister, but the other one still has a sister and a niece. You know, so they, you know, it's I, I just thought that was probably my favorite scene, honestly, in in the in the whole episode when they kind of talk about oh, mom's alive, and then you know she finds out that Rachel's died over here, but then she lets her know that you know that in her universe Rachel actually had a niece, you know, and everything. I don't know. I just really well, well that yeah, scene. and it's just like how'd you get in? We keep our key in the same place but they don't keep their backup guns in the same place their backup guns they do right. not so that and was for olivia's right. just like eh, eh, yep i am not left-handed <laughs> nice um <laughs> we learn i guess definitively who removed the parts of walter's brain and uh, he, I, I mean i i think we kind of knew i mean w- you know we didn't maybe know all of the details but but we kind of sensed all along that that these were removed to prevent walter from doing something or to prevent some nefarious individual from you know getting hold of whatever was in there but you know we learned that you you know you asked me to and and he did let's see um all right so well, you you, you want to talk about the scene i mean the most important scene in the entire episode the the uh the when the shippers were able to jump up and down and say hooray yes, you know, for a couple minutes <laughs> exactly um so <laughs> She's ready to go find Peter. And, and you know, somebody might say, well, she's certainly adjusted to their tech pretty easily. 
yeah, okay, come on. It, it's we already know that in in many ways they're not as technologically advanced as Olivia's world. So you see her with that right. little paper thin device or whatever it is. She, anyway, she figures out where where Peter is and she is ready to go. And then of course Charlie's right there, and you see it catches her off guard. And while it takes her a few minutes to kind of get into character. Because as you said a minute ago, she doesn't really know Folivia. She doesn't know, no. you know, how she carries herself. And you'll wonder whether she, I, I don't think she does a very good job. Right. Of it. Uh, you know, like, like we, when I'm, we're watching her, like, well, that's, that's live. Like she's just acting like right. herself. And that's not, how Olivia acts even a little bit. And Charlie doesn't really cotton on to that until it's I mean, too he late. says, you know, is something wrong? I mean, he senses something's off. And, yeah. And on the one hand, sitting in the passenger seat is totally different than if he would see her physically walking to a crime scene because Olivia Prime just carries herself so differently. Um, so, you know, we don't really get to see that, but... Well, and also, I mean, this guy just found out there's another universe like last right, week, sure, or, sure. which is probably just yesterday, basically. So for him to wrap his mind about the people that I know have doubles over there that could potentially, you know, come over here and replace the people that I know, like that's not even on. He's not even on that wavelength even right, a little bit. Right. Um, so so they get to. Peter's apartment. She's trying to uh, let him know, kind of surreptitiously, that hey, it's me. And then she whacks Charlie over the head. She just, she just blurts all out at one. Like he's like, "Wait, what the hell?" Right. It's just, like, yeah, I kind of figured like, it was she's you. She's just like, "All right, let's let's do this." The hard right. Way, I guess. But then that whole you know the, the the realization that I've got to convince him to leave his biological father, the universe in which he was born and lived the first eight years of his life, I've got to convince him to come with me. And just watching her do that, it was such an emotional experience. You know, I don't want to say roller coaster because it, it really just kind of like, just, just so gradually and quickly, Peter, you don't belong here. And, you know, he lets her know, well, I know I don't belong here, but I don't belong there either. You have to come back because you belong with me. And finally, (laughs) so like, well, she, like she goes, like, that's the thing. Like, this is a big moment because Olivia, and you know, like we've said, like the, the really kind of maybe serious romantic aspect between these two has only started maybe like. I don't know how many episodes ago, but not, it hasn't been very long, but this is Olivia taking that emotional leap for someone who is very guarded and keeps her emotions very much to herself. She's totally throwing herself out there. Yeah. You know, like she's just, she's completely putting herself in a very vulnerable position for Peter. You know, Peter could potentially say, uh, what are you talking about? Like, you're just my friend, you know, or something like that. So, you know, it's very, um, but on the other hand, though, I could say is we, we know that Olivia Dunham is not a, a person that is averse to taking risks. Right. Um, and this isn't a calculated risk. This is a risk of her opening up her heart to someone 
and uh, and it works, right? I mean, that's what convinces Peter. Yeah. And when you just said that, you know, Peter could react like, hey, "You're my colleague. We work together." I'm thinking, really, really? <laughs> no, it, it, it could it, have happened. Yeah, it could have happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, and but to be fair, when she says, "Well, how long?" Uh, he says, "How long have you known?" You know, and we talked about that a few weeks back. How's yeah. he going to react when he learns that she knew? But it's like he understands why she didn't tell him, I guess. <laughs> so, well, he, he, you know, I, I think on a level he does, but on a level he's he's very pissed about it. Right. But, know, like that part of it is still a noise. But, you know, when a beautiful woman kisses you, that tends to put all of the stuff you're upset about just kind of goes out the door. Right. You know? and, and look, we know how he feels about her. But the interesting thing, and I'm not going to name the show, but but a show my wife and I are watching, and this happened last night, uh, you know, like we're in like season six or seven of this show. And again, similar situation. These, these characters, you know, work together. One of them, you know, has just had a lot of emotional stuff happen to, to her it's cheers you're watching, yeah, no. isn't it? And, and, and finally, <laughs> the two characters, you know, they get together, you know, they 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 actually sleep together. And and both of them, they've they've really this is a big risk for each of them. And it's like finally they're happy. And then he goes to the doctor, it's like, Yeah, you have a brain tumor, and it's like, you know, fifty percent chance that you 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 know you'll oh, survive. Deadpool. And and I said to to marry immediately it's like he's gonna break up with her and she's like no you know like literally like 90 seconds later we need to talk i'm like oh you gotta be kidding me <laughs> so <laughs> anyway i kind of you're so upset that you were right about i, I kind of feel like it, it, it's you know this here when we get to then that firefight and you know i i think you're right that this was the plan all along and okay and and however uh, Walternate and and Folivia executed it. Eh, it doesn't matter. You know, we we don't need to know. You know, you know how it happened. We know it did happen, and we're thinking, oh, okay. So you know, now the question, and, and I think it was Fred that that had a problem with the fact that okay, you've made it clear that Folivia is now passing herself off as Olivia Prime. Why did you need to then show? Olivia, you know, in a in a cell, and on, on the one hand, I get that, but on the other hand, I, I think it verifies the fact because you know we see all this explosion and this. So Olivia well, I, I don't could think they be did it because I'm sorry. Well, I mean, she could be on the run. You know what I mean? We don't necessarily yeah. know that she was captured. So it, so it it solidifies the fact that Walternet has her rather than the fact that she's you know, on the run. That's all. Or, or that she died. Or that she died, sure. Right? Like, it tells us what, because otherwise, people are going to be asking, wait, what the hell happened to Olivia then? Right. And it would be months before they would find that out. Right. You know? Right. So, you know, they they told us, like, here here's what happened. She's not dead. She's not on the run. Here, here's what's, because we, obviously we know that they've switched places or that Olivia switched places with her, but we just didn't know what happened to Olivia. And they're just 
telling us that because it's going to be a long couple months before season three starts. Right. Well, I guess the reality was only probably about four months, which, uh, you know. Right, but at back the time, in the good old days, so long, <laughs> right? Yeah. Remember when that seemed like this long oh time, right? And now we have years between seasons. So, ah, yeah. Anyway, um, and then good old days. Uh, you know, <laughs> I got to get me a Selectric uh, one fifty six or whatever the number was typewriter. Uh, <laughs> and of course, we right. see her tattoo in that scene. Not that we needed to see it, but. Um, infiltration achieved awaiting orders and we don't see what the orders are, but I think we can, I think we can guess that now she doesn't know that Peter and Olivia just kissed for the first time. And, and that she, as you said, but she does know that she's got feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But she doesn't know. I mean, how could she possibly, she, for all she knows, they've already slept together multiple times. So, right, so, she, true. so she now enters this, you know, relationship, not really knowing and not really having any safe way of learning. Yeah, I mean, what's she supposed to do? Right. You know, ask Astrid. Uh, yeah, I mean, what could she possibly say? So, hey, Astrid, you know, funny thing. I was, just, you know, I'm like so forgetful, you know. I Peter and I like sleeping together. I just totally forgot whether we were or not. Like, you know, but if she does something like that, she, she, she's busted, right? Well, like, cause they know that there is another Olivia out there. Right. So, so if she doesn't play it right, which like uh, you think about like what the, di- what we'd said, like the difference between these two characters from every little nuance that the people who love her are going to recognize, right? They're going yeah. to recognize the difference, and when they, when they, when the differences start adding up, they're going to be like, "Wait a minute! Oh no, you're you're the, you're not the right Olivia." Right, and I mean, you know? the tattoo's one thing. I mean, we know that Peter's seen her in her underwear, so you know, he, I, I right. would think he would have noticed that tattoo. You know, the scenes when she went into the tank. Um, now, granted, she could. You know, play it off. Oh, I got it, and say, yeah, I just went and got and, some ink the other day. And there'd be I'm, no yeah, reason. It'd be really cool. She yeah. should have told him. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens. But well, what else you want to bring up? Um, you know, I I just think that, you know, like I said, it's going to be, and this isn't, you know, again, like I I vaguely remember some of the stuff that happened, but you just know it's just going to be such a difficult thing for her to pull this off, like. This can't be a long assignment. Like the longer she's around these people, the you know she's going to get found out, right? It's not going to take long. She's got to really try to limit her interactions with the team because they're going to. It's it's not going to be hard to figure out that you're totally the wrong person, right? And, and you, know? you know, and then let's not forget, we've got Olivia in a cell. So what's going to happen? I mean, how is she going to get away, right. get back here? So, uh, yeah, we got to, you know, right. yeah, there's so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's so much, right. so much. It's at least another three seasons. Oh, at least, story at least. To, to so, all right, you want to get the listener uh, feedback or you got something else? Yeah, let's right. do it. Yeah. All right, well, let's hear what Fred from the Netherlands has and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the Fringe episode. Over there, part two, season two, episode 22, or according to IMDb, 
episode 23, the season finale. First off, coming back to last week's podcast, or actually to the podcast about Brown Betty. In this podcast you said it was a kind of combination of the Princess Bride meets the Wizard of Oz. And without knowing what you would say, I had figured out the Wizard of Oz myself as well. It's sort of like Princess Bride meets the Wizard of Oz in terms yeah. of a storytelling format, which I love. And, you know, instead of a grandfather telling a story to the child, here we've got Uncle Walter telling it's Ella. Very stoned Uncle Walter. Yes, very stoned. But it's a story about true love, which, of course, if you know the Princess Bride, how can anybody not know the Princess Bride at this point? I don't know. Well, I was one of those people who didn't know The Princess Bride, so thank you very much. And actually, I got hit by two podcasters about not knowing this movie. Namely, Mike and Pete from Fantastic Geek were also referring to this same movie in a frame of two weeks. Completely independent from you, because the reference you gave was from Brown Betty. But I got it via Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds, where Carol Kane is playing the chief engineer. And she also played in The Princess Bride. So when I said, I don't know, like in my previous feedback uh, last week, I didn't know anything about Carol Kane. They referred to Carol Kane as being in The Princess Bride. Well, in the meanwhile, I watched that film and she is in it for one minute and 15 seconds. But whatever, I didn't like that film at all. It has very much a Monty Python-like kind of humor and I don't like that at all. I did like Peter Falk as the storytelling grandfather in this, very reminiscent of Inspector Columbo who I loved. So it was very coincidental that I've been targeted from two sides about this film. But you were right, Dave, that the kind of storytelling in Brown Betty with Uncle Walter telling the story in comparison to the grandpa telling the story in The Princess Bride was very similar. By the way, the last episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds was a crossover between that and Lower Decks, and it was done in a terrific way. Really, Dave, you should follow Wayne's advice and watch this Star Trek series. Okay, let's go into the season finale. Of course, a great episode. And uh, as you know, I'm a sucker for clones. So having two Olivia's very different, uh, talked about it last week, played by Anna Torf very nicely, but now also in the same frame. So that's very reminiscent of Orphan Black. And I have to say, they did it quite in a in a good way. You, of course, can see a little bit that there is a stunt double. But uh, overall, it was very nicely done. The scene where Olivia dyes her hair and becomes the alternate Olivia is so reminiscent of Sarah becoming Beth in the first season of Orphan Black. Last podcast, we were talking about the big difference between Walter Nate and Walter in behavior. But in the beginning of this episode, where the secretary has to ask the ancient for a favor, we see the same kind of little hesitant, unsecure behavior in the secretary. Just for a brief moment, that actually looked quite Walter-like. Well, we learned here what a quarantine is. So if there is a crack in the universe, they just glue a lot of amber over everybody and everything. 
Alan made a remark in the last podcast on which I agree, and that's about the differences between the universes. So the William Bell died in the alternate universe very young. The difference between Olivia's mother is dead, whereas the alternate uh, Olivia's sister is dead. I think these kinds of differences would have bigger effect on the difference between the worlds. But what can you say? It's fringe. I have to say I saw it quite quickly come that there was an exchange between the Olivias and there was a, let's say, exchange of a few meaningful glances, very subtle between Broyles and the alternate Olivia, just before the big explosion. I will give the episode a A plus and a 10. There is only one nitpick or a thing that I found a little weak and that's the ending that alternate Walter walks toward the captured Olivia so that it becomes for everybody clear that it is the alternate Olivia that's now in our universe. I found that a little redundant. I posted something on the Facebook page, the location, the opera house where William Bell and Walter have this device. I've been there. It's in Vancouver and also a scene of Continuum was filmed there. Have a look at the Facebook page. Okay, thank you very much for this fringe ride. Looking very much forward to the third season. Fortunately, I have enough other stuff to watch, so I'm not too much tempted to watch on. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Fred, I swear, if you mention Orphan Black one more time, I'm going to do a rewatch. <laughs> I, 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 I promise you. But it's, I mean, that's, that's a solid, that's solid. That's, that's oh, legit. Um, now, you know, we, we talk about this theory in time travel uh, all the time. You know, he, he mentions about the impact that uh, Olivia having, a, or faux Olivia having a mother alive, but a sister dead, which is the opposite of Olivia Prime, and, and what impact that would have on the greater, you know, uh, I, I guess, narrative. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. And you, you kind of alluded to that a few minutes ago. I mean, you know, for a, a young woman, and, and, you know, I mean, Olivia is, I guess, what, she's supposed to be about 30 or so. So to, to lose your mother... I mean, at any age, it's tough, obviously. So we don't know what impact that has. You almost think losing your mother as as a young woman might harden you, which then it would make sense. Well, you know, that would be faux Olivia, but it's it's kind of the opposite in, in this regard. So, so yeah, Fred, that's a that's a great question. No massive dynamic. Well, I, I think we talked about that, that Olivia is harder than faux olivia you think right like i guess more guarded okay uh, not not necessarily harder uh, that's like a good tougher, point. but just harder and peter like, even mentions that not more, much i guess more serious i guess is, is the word yeah yeah what's that yeah no he he kind of even yeah. alludes to that when he's talking to faux olivia when, when she asks what she's like so yeah all right uh what else about fred's feedback well first of all fred totally agree that crossover between Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks was freaking awesome. And I've never seen Lower Decks, and now I think I want to go back and watch Lower Decks because it was so good. Dave, I don't think I'm getting rid of Paramount Plus anytime soon, by the way. Uh, I think we talked about the stunt doubles. Um, 
Yeah, and, and the different histories, how that I, 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 like well, uh, about the similarities between the two Walters. Like I totally every now and then you could see something like like you're right. Even with Walter, it like he does show a little bit of insecurity, right? Like we see a little bit of like especially with his interaction with Peter. Not sure kind of stuff that um, yeah, I, I picked up on that too. Yeah, I think that's uh, about it. But but yeah, you know, Dave, you have you really you should you should just take the plunge, just get Paramount Plus. It's like you know nine bucks a month. Or something well, you know, like it's that. funny because uh, you, you know I haven't uh, done any work for Den of Geek for uh, I guess probably over a year. It just uh, you know shows I was covering. I think I talked about this before ended and. Uh, you know, my editor didn't contact me and I decided not to contact him. It just seemed like a good time to go. And I've been checking them out periodically and, and I just keep looking at stories that I'm thinking, I, I mean, seriously, that this writing is not very good. And I thought, all right, well, let me, and they're really doing far fewer reviews than they used to. I thought, all right, let me check out this this review and the and the first one that popped up was the the episode uh, of star trek that you're uh talking about and first thing that struck me was all right this person can write this person has analytic skills huh this episode sounds pretty good <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> i'll have to see but um dude i just i i'm telling like i know like when i tell you this is a guaranteed thing. I know. I go. This is guaranteed. Well, that's what you said I about Silo when you were right. Right. So. Right. I think I feel even stronger about Strange New World. Okay. Uh, it sounds like you're like Strange New World is so good. Like it's like the show that I like. I, I like. I, I I'm just like I can't wait for Thursday. I can't wait for Thursday so I can watch the new Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Okay. Like not many shows do that for me uh that much anymore. But man, like Strange New Worlds is just it's so like the the writing, the acting, the the production values are just it's like watching the movie. It's it's awesome. All right. So and and then they got uh Dennis Quaid's kid, Jack Quaid from the boys. You haven't watched I have the not, no. so you don't care. Uh but he's uh in the the crossover um episode it's just fabulous it's so good all right all right well let's hear we'll what love it. alan in england's got and we'll be right back hello dave and wayne and everyone at sci-fi tv rewatch this is alan here from england mostly with feedback about over there part two what i'm watching strange new worlds i sort of missed an episode because i had two to catch up on one was a strange and humorous crossover episode now i feel i need to go and watch some animation which could hardly be different to the next episode very much darker which i hear will be very much different again to the following one which will be in a more rhapsodic vein i can't wait finished ragnarok seasons one and two loved all the references to mythology but spent quite a lot of both seasons waiting for the lightning to strike which seemed to turn up at the end of both did you notice how the actress that played Gree, Emma Bones, had a strikingly similar face and facial expressions to January Jones, especially in her portrayal in Mad Men? Sometimes the way she tightened her lips and widened her eyes questioningly, I thought it was uncanny. Meanwhile, back at Fringe, 
Over There, Part 2. We see Peter getting a tour of uh, incidents and accidents and shiny statues of liberty. Walton at his desk had two photos, one of Obama and himself, and an older, non-assassinated JFK, I think, who I guess was being vice president. Then Waltonet finds himself, or finds the other Walter, in hospital. Both sides are trying to get to Walter first. I like how Bell sets up the Pulse 77 as the better replacement to the 76. Surely, a Chekhov's gun, if ever there was one. And then how Olivia proves her identity to Walter by refusing to play along with his games. And so he believes her immediately. Walter and Belle are trading age-related insults, and Folivia sees a ghost or two. Then the red titles start up, and I've forgotten that we hadn't even had them yet. What an opening that was. Peter and Folivia meet. You can feel the potential complications bursting out there. We find out, after further bickering, that massive dynamic isn't a thing on the alternate side, which I thought maybe it was. Come to think of it, where's the alternate William Bell? We hear that he didn't meet up with Walter, but he's got to be <laughs> but he's got to be around there somewhere. Bell and Walter take a road trip to Boston, and we see people and surroundings trapped in that clear material. Didn't we see something like that in episode 2 or 3 back in series 1, that bus full of people that got uh, trapped? Hard to know how much Walter is right about Bell's actions and intentions as the things done to his brain now make him a somewhat unreliable witness. Olivia and Folivia finally meet in person, and they exchange histories at gunpoint. And then, awesome fight sequence, really well done. I watched that a couple of times to see if you could spot the stand-in, but it was pretty flawless, really. After that, Olivia colours her hair red. What could possibly go wrong? Peter finds the machine, or the power source for it, respond in some way, possibly related to all that DNA sequence stuff from last week. Finally, Olivia opens up to Peter, after us shipping them for about 40 episodes, which is a nice moment. Then we see William Bell firing that Chekhov's gun to spectacular effect. We see that Bell is willing to sacrifice himself to keep the ship, uh, I mean the uh, team, safe, Yes, I can't help but be reminded of Spock at the end of Wrath of Khan when he sacrifices himself to save everyone else. And we forgive him for at least part of what happened to Walter. Peter's trying to forgive Walter in a touching scene, and we think, well, maybe it'll be okay. But of course, in an almost Shakespearean identity swap, we see it's Folivia that has come through, while Olivia is held by Walternut in a cell. Just imagine if there had only been two seasons, and that was how it all ended, that would have been less than ideal. Take care. Alan from England. Now, he mentions the the amber, and that was a great visual of the people trapped inside, outside of the Harvard lab on, on this side. But but what I loved about Alan's uh, feedback it, it, it are the two callbacks. I mean, of course, the one was to the, the season one and the bus and the, you know, the amber. But dude, he brings up Spock, and yeah, that was awesome. Because you're, you know, in this episode, you're looking at William Bell's hand, and you keep waiting for him to spread his fingers apart. And I'm like, wait a minute, are, are his fingers? But he, he needs like he needs like a piece of glass to to do it against. And they didn't they didn't have that, but they they 
they pretty much they went pretty deep into oh, recreating that scene though yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i, I like um, the uh, I, the shakespearean identity swap all right alan fred thank you so much for the feedback um fred gave it an a plus uh fred i'm not going to argue with you I, I think we had uh just an outstanding yeah, for, for two-part sure. this was, this was season great. finale. I guess we'll leave it at that. So uh, we got yeah. found. So, Go ahead. You know, I mean, like I, 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 I am. I'm not disappointed in Fred. I'm just sad that Fred did not like the Princess. Oh Bride yeah. Because, you know, oh. like yeah, man. Just like I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I ever met anyone who didn't like the Princess Bride. That's 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 like a, that's like a. And it might be the American thing. I'll acknowledge I that. I, I thought know? about that. You know, I, I, I wonder. It, it, it could uh, be. But um, I think Fred mentioned Columbo, you know, right? Fred Savage always. Yeah, like you're right. We had the Columbo. Fred Savage is the kid. Right, so whether Wonder always, Years was you know, a Tugs thing. at Americans' heartstrings, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, So, I don't know. But man, the, one, the Princess Bride, dude, like that's. Yeah. Wow. Like, I, that's that's. Well, that's that's a top five movie, yeah. probably. So, but anyway, hey, to each their own, though, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Well, we better stop there. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. we got foundation. But you, you're probably not going to want to watch uh, Good Omens, though, Fred, because if you don't like the Monty Python esque humor, then then Good Omens is maybe not for you. Not going to be your cup of tea yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, we got foundation up on the schedule for next week. So, looking forward to that. I've seen the first episode. I don't know if you have or not yet. Um, but, uh, no, I'm just, uh, I'm going to go back. I started watching season one. Again, okay. But then, you know, Witcher okay. and all kinds of, there's other stuff. Happening. Orioles games to watch. Yeah, you know, no so. kidding. So, all right, we'll see. Well, let's go. I'll leave it there. That'll do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about fringe. Hope you're on board for foundation. Check out the Facebook group. If you haven't already sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. And we'll be back next week to talk about the season two premiere of the Apple TV Plus series Foundation. But until then. You know, Dave, there's been, I've got a little bit of beef with you, but, you know, I didn't know how to, like, address it and stuff. So I'm just going to out and say, you know, like, dude, I know you cut out pieces of my brain. What kind of a man would do that?